This is Louisiana Considered on WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge. I'm Diane Mack. Just ahead on today's show, Unframed, a large outdoor multi-mural exhibit in downtown New Orleans is celebrating a milestone. And a new exhibit of Haitian contemporary art in New Orleans celebrates the cultural, linguistic, and historic ties between our nations. But first... The United Auto Workers Union says roughly a third of workers at a Mercedes-Benz plant in Alabama want to join the union. This comes after the UAW won a substantial new contract from the big three automakers in November. But the UAW previously failed to unionize after an initial attempt that began in 2011. Stephen Sylvia wrote the book, The UAW's Southern Gamble. He spoke to Stephen Basaha of the Gulf States Newsroom about why that Mercedes Union campaign failed and what it means for the UAW's new Southern push. So what made it so difficult for UAW to unionize this plant? So with the Mercedes plant, it was has been particularly difficult for two reasons. One, Mercedes is the only company that pays similar levels of compensation to the actual UAW contract. As a result, if you're an employee, you, you can look at it and say, well, I could unionize, and but I'm not going to get really any more pay and benefits than I have now. Um, the other issue that's made that plant difficult to unionize is that the plant uses a very, uh, you know, a pretty big share of the workforce as temporary employees. The, the employees don't even work for Mercedes. They work for temp agencies and Mercedes hires them. So the unionization effort, the way the law is written, is only for permanent employees. So you may be asking, why did they try to organize it in the first place? And the answer is, that they had good relations with the German union that organized the Mercedes plants in Germany. And they were hopeful to use their good relationship with the German union and the substantial leverage that unions have in Germany to organize the plant. It didn't pan out, but it was a reasonable uh, bet to make. Well, why didn't it pan out? Partly has to do with personality. Mercedes is a subsidiary of Daimler. Now, the funny thing is Daimler also owns Freightliner, the truck company, which has several plants in North Carolina. And, And Freightliner was organized by the UAW. And so you have the same CEO at that time, Dieter Tsetsche is working very constructively with the with Freightliner, but he's resisting having the union come in in the Mercedes plant in Vance, Alabama. So it's it's a bit of a, a conundrum uh, on why, but his experience with the UAW, the UAW president at the time, a guy named Stephen Jokic was not exactly the most flexible guy in the world, led Zetcha to decide he was going to dig in his heels and, and not be cooperative and allow that Mercedes plant in Alabama be organized. Well, and also the state and local politicians got pretty involved in, in 
pushing off a union here, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Mercedes plant in Alabama was a, a big breakthrough for the foreign companies in the amount of money they got to subsidize building a plant. That they broke the $100 million barrier. They got up to about $300 million for that plant. One of the things the governor would say over and over is, we do not want this plant to be unionized. We don't think that would be good for the state of Alabama. And that had an effect. That did have an effect. I think the company didn't want to fall into bad graces with uh, the governor or the state legislature because they could change their the law and, and change the packages that they set up uh, for the companies. And some of these things are out and out money transfers, but others are favorable tax benefits, uh, supporting vocational training. There are a number of things that a state government could do as far as as far as withdrawing money, even after the fact with the plant being built, uh, that gives the governor, the legislature leverage over the companies. All right. So if you're if you're talking with Sean Fain, the current president of the UAW, and, and you giving him a lesson on this Mercedes plant and the attempts in the past by the UAW, what's the big lesson he should take from that as he looks to unionize in the South? I would focus on other Southern plants first and try to build up momentum. Oh, so don't even bother. Not that one. Because of the high pay uh, in particular and the high percentage of the workforce that is temp, I would go elsewhere first and try to build up momentum. Unframed, a multi-mural exhibit in downtown New Orleans is celebrating a milestone with its 10th installation, Drum Major NOLA, by New Orleans artist Keith Duncan. The large outdoor mural display presented by the Hellas Foundation is a project of Arts New Orleans. Jesse Haynes, managing director of the Hellas Foundation, joins us now with details. Jesse, welcome to Louisiana Considered. Thank you, Diane. I'm happy to be here. Tell us about Unframed. What is its backstory, and how does this project help both local artists and the city's downtown arts district? Absolutely. So Unframed was the vision of the Arts Council, which is now referred to as Arts New Orleans. And the concept was they were very, very active in mural making in various parts of the city. But the idea of being able to concentrate a really fantastic collection of murals in our arts district was something that had always been sort of in the back of their minds and the back of our minds as the Hellas Foundation. And so we figured if we partnered up and Hellas funded the project and we used the incredible contacts and knowledge about how to do these large scale projects that the Arts Council offered, this could be a really unmatched project. And so since this initial grain of an idea was formed, we have installed the 10th mural in very concentrated area of the Arts District. And the goal, of course, is to provide just public free access to really incredible artistry all over the Arts District. These are on the sides of uh, the downtown buildings. They are. They're on both public buildings, such as the Sanford Biggers mural on the side of the CAC, and now Keith Duncan and Momo's murals on the sides of the Ogden walls. But then, of course, we have so many incredible business owners who have loaned us their walls for installation. 
There is a lot to celebrate with the 10th installation now of a mural by local artist Keith Duncan. His piece is called Drum Major Nola. Tell us about the artist and how he was chosen for this project. We, at the beginning, at the inception of this project, wanted to have a lot of buy-in from the neighborhood, buy-in from the local community of artists, buy-in from curators. And so the Arts Council appointed a really fantastic selection committee, you know, representing various organizations, museums, preservation organizations, because of course there's a lot of old buildings in the arts district. So we have to be careful and we have to comply with the city's regulations. So a group of really engaged curators reviews names and lists and images of both local artists as well as internationally regarded artists. So there's been various iterations in the selection process. And I was telling Keith this recently this past selection committee gathering in 2023, he was the unanimous selection unquestionably among sets of both internationally known and practicing artists all the way to our local arts community. Keith was the selection unanimously of every single person on the committee. And that's just really exciting. So we knew that that was the committee's clear instructions for the Arts New Orleans and Hellas Foundation to move forward in selecting Keith. So much of the selection is related to Keith's deep ties, you know, as a New Orleanian, as a teacher with Nord, as a practicing artist who has artwork in the collections of local institutions, as well as institutions all over the country, representation by both New York Gallery and in New Orleans. His work exemplifies everything that is the spirit of New Orleans, and yet his work is admired across the globe. So when we looked at the samples of his work, the concept of the marching band was very exciting, of course, to the whole committee. And I will tell you that even in the initial discussions of the committee, the concept of dedicating a mural that had not even been, you know, we haven't even talked to Keith yet, the idea of having a marching band at the dedication was something that was critical in the minds of the committee. So now that it's come to full realization and Keith said yes to our plea, to paint a marching band member on the back side of the Ogden, um, it will be the 10th mural. Yeah. So now, if you would, describe the work for us. What does it look like, and why does it make us smile? It really does make us smile. Look, the murals are what public art is supposed to do, right? It's supposed to draw conversation. It's supposed to ask questions. It's supposed to not necessarily always be loved by everyone. And so everyone has an opinion on the murals. Of course, and that's what we want. However, I have to say that the smile and the just joyful response that anyone I've talked to about this mural has mentioned to me is just really kind of interesting and awesome. It's a marching band figure who is kind of side profile playing an instrument. It's not for a specific team. This is what a couple people have asked me. Um, not a specific, you know, school. It's kind of a New Orleans, you know, school for New Orleans. There he has a fleur-de-lis on the uniform. Then it's set against a really beautiful, intricate, I would describe it as um, almost mosaic tiling across the back of the figure. And what I think is something that's really interesting is that in the Arts New Orleans team, as well as Wendo Brunoir and Jolene Barkley, who actually executed the mural with Keith, they color matched it so that the colors, when you're looking at the side view, it looks just unbelievable next to that very abstract Momo that's on one side of the building, as well as the sort of iconic 
Ogden red brick, you know, painted background. So it's very joyful. Um, I think that, of course, everybody can't get their heads around. I mean, it's perfect timing to install something that is so representative of Mardi Gras marching bands, right, as we're in the midst of carnival season. So couldn't have timed it more perfectly unless it had been maybe installed during the Bayou Classic. <laughs> the figure is a proud figure to me, one that has swagger. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so where exactly is the installation located? How can visitors find it and others currently on view? This installation is what we kind of call the back wall of the Ogden Museum. So the Ogden Museum is at 925 Camp Street, the side of the museum that faces um, St. Joseph Street is the Momo mural. And then the backside, which is Keith's mural that we're talking about today, faces St. Charles Avenue. So you can access it by visiting the Ogden Museum and just walking around to the backside, which faces a parking lot. So it's accessible, you know, on the sidewalk, as well as just outside of the museum um, when you're walking down either Camp Street or uh, St. Joseph is an easier way to kind of access it and see it. The other murals, because they are across the sort of footprint of the Arts District, um, it's very easy to go on the Hellas Foundation's website and you can access the map. There's a great walking map that we also have physical copies of and that provides walking directions to each mural. And then on each mural, there's also, of course, signage kind of with the artist statement and explaining some information about the artist with a QR code that you can click on it so your phone can tell you where to go next if you want to, you know, do a little mural tour of downtown. Jesse Haynes, Managing Director of the Hellas Foundation, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. More information on Unframed, presented by the Hellas Foundation, a project of Arts New Orleans, is online at thehellasfoundation.org. From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Diane Mack. The new foundation and the historic BK House recently unveiled a new exhibit of Haitian contemporary art in New Orleans. The exhibition, titled Haiti, Louisiana, Tides of Freedom, celebrates the cultural, linguistic, and historic ties between our nations. To learn more about the exhibit and the artist and stories it features, we're joined by Scott Tilton, co-founder and director of the new foundation. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. And we're also joined by Mac Jean-Louis, a Haitian-born curator who helped bring this exhibition to life. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Scott, let's start with you. A lot of people know about the connection between Louisiana and France and Haiti and France. French colonizers settled in both territories, but some may not know about the connection between Louisiana and Haiti. Can you explain the history of that relationship to us and how all three countries are intertwined? Absolutely. So it is rooted in colonialism. So France um, colonized what was called the island of Hispaniola and named their part of the island. So this is the western third of the island, uh, Saint-Domingue at the time. And what's really interesting is sort of how Louisiana fits into that. So while the French were expanding into the Americas, they ended up founding Louisiana as sort of an outcrop of Saint-Domingue at the time. So they we're talking about the 17th and 18th centuries. I always say that New Orleans was born in the Caribbean and raised in America, and it's linked to this entire history. Part of what happens is that when the French Revolution breaks out in Haiti, 
the people who were held in slavery launched a revolution, uh, the first one of the first successful um, slave rebellions in history, and they founded the first Black Republic, the country of Haiti. And it was during this period, actually, that there was a migration of people also to Louisiana. So this period from 1809 to 1810, so slightly after uh, the Haitian Revolution, um, there was sort of a migration of people that was going around the Caribbean. A lot of them ended up coming to New Orleans, actually about doubling or tripling the population of the city during the time. And so where exactly did the idea come from to have an art exhibit to celebrate and honor this history? The new foundation in the historic BK House, we have a, a collaboration where we're allowed to do our, um, where, where we do our cultural events um, in their beautiful home. Back in May of 2023, we had uh, a collection called the Jacques Bartoli Collection, which is based with the Haitian Resource Development Foundation. They reached out to us because they wanted to bring Jacques Bartoli's collection to Louisiana. 24 hours later, we get a contact from Max Jean-Louis, who's the curator of Haiti, Louisiana Tides of Freedom, who would like to bring his exhibit to New Orleans. And so we ended up meeting both of these groups at the same time. And so we ended up curating this larger exhibit. And it really is a phenomenal exhibit because it talks about sort of the impact of the Haitian Revolution on both places, both the historical lens, but very much through a modern lens as well, and how this is a project that is ongoing. And Max, how did you get involved in this project? As you were collecting these works, what exactly were you looking for? Thank you. Um, you know, and uh, I've always wanted to do something between Haiti and Louisiana because I was part of the Centre de la Francophonie des Amériques, an organization of the government of Quebec um, that is, uh, you know, connecting people who speak French in the Americas. So I've been always, um, you know, fascinated about Louisiana and the intertwining stories between my home country, Haiti, and Louisiana. So when I uh, first visited Louisiana in May, I was talking with people to see how I can bring um, an exhibition because I knew I knew at that time that I wanted to do an exhibition as an art curator between Haiti and Louisiana. And then um, some people said, you should be talking to the new foundation. It's a very dynamic team and they are like a fresh start in Louisiana. So I said, oh, interesting. So um, I was connected to Scott and that's how it happened. And then I had uh, a group of eight artists, a gender balance group. It was very important to me. So we had four male and four female artists, both from Haiti and Louisiana, all of African descent. And even coming before I, I came on air today. So, um, you know, people have been coming in the airport and say, oh, we are here. So I, it's for me as a creator, I'm very happy that um, I think 80% of the artists will be coming in New Orleans for the first time, thanks to this exhibition. And can you tell us about the artist who are featured in this exhibit? What different media do they use and what cultures and communities do they represent? Uh, I really want to have a diverse interpretation of the, the, the topics of the exhibition. Obviously, we will be talking about freedom, about human rights, about um, the history, about, about slavery, but most importantly, about resilience, how people from Haiti and people from Louisiana are resilient, uh, are resilient about you know, all the uh, challenges they've been tackling for centuries. So uh, we have uh, oil and canvas, we have some um, bed uh, on, on canvas as well, we have the drapeau. Uh, we have some photographs. We even have some uh, videos that people will be uh, accessing using their phone with QR codes because we want to, you know, bring the past and the present. We want people now to connect with them and to reflect on how they could apply that resilience and resistance to to today's challenge, like climate change, like um, some inequalities that we still have. So we really want to mingle the past, the present, and the future using a diverse array of artwork. We are speaking with Scott Tilton, co-founder and director of the New Foundation and curator Max Jean-Louis.
Well, by the time listeners hear this interview, the exhibit will have already had its opening. But why don't you tell us about the opening event? Who will be there and what performance do you have on deck? Yeah, so we planned with Max this entire weekend. So um, there's going to be, starting on Friday morning, um, before the exhibit's launch, we're going to have a visit of Whitney Plantation, where there will be a commemoration of people who were held in slavery um, in Louisiana, and sort of that kind of cross understanding about how these how slavery shaped both places and held people um, in servitude. There will also then be th that evening we're going to have the opening, and we're going to have delegates from. I mean, as Max was saying, we're going to have all of these artists coming in. There will be artists coming in from across the United States, from Haiti, from uh, Canada, Europe. So it's a pretty amazing to have New Orleans be the center of the art world um, in this way. And um, in addition to that, we're going to have a lot of different governments represented. So. There's a major organization that represents uh, French-speaking countries and regions called the Organisation Internationale de la Francophonie. They'll be in town. We have representatives from the government of Quebec, France. So we'll be quite represented. And there will also be people, of course, uh, from New Orleans and across Louisiana. And then in addition to this, um, on Saturday, there will be a commemoration at Destraham Plantation. And Max uh, can kind of speak more to this, but there's the events that led to the um, in Haiti to the revolution were called the Bois Canen, um, and this was in 1791, if I'm not mistaken. And in Louisiana, there was a there was a sort of an attempted revolution in 1811 called the German Coast Uprising that started at Destraham Plantation that was inspired by the Haitian Revolution. And so we're going to so there will be a ceremony at Destraham Plantation to sort of commemorate the events that occurred and sort of understanding how the pursuit of freedom uh, pursued action in both places. I'm wondering if you could each describe for me a piece of artwork from this exhibition that has really stuck to you. How do these individual works of art tell a larger story, and what is that larger story? Yeah, I mean, there's this amazing artist named Patricia Brintle, and she um, did, I think it's Cecile Fatima, if I'm mistaken, not mistaken. So it's the woman um, who was, I believe, a voodoo priestess who at the Bois Caimen um, in 1791 was sort of launched and, and began the whole Haitian Revolution. And it's this incredibly powerful representation. It's a very um, sort of long painting um, and then you see sort of her silhouette with these beautiful colors, um, but it's all of this symbolism enmeshed into it. So a, a sort of a, a voodoo talisman representing a loa. You have all of these different um, figures. There's also a panel uh, pointing to the towns uh, where the Haitian Revolution would go to liberate people. So it's a really beautiful painting. And I think it's also one of the centerpieces when someone walks in to have that sort of wow effect that you know exactly where you are and you're seeing the different figures who launched the Haitian Revolution. Yeah, uh, in my research for the curating part, I found Alina Allen. She's from New Orleans. And then I asked her to, to do three portraits of the main leaders uh, of the 1811 slave revolt. And, I, you know, this is an, a silent story because when it, after it happened, obviously it failed. Um, so the establishment at that time went to silence that. So all the black people in, 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 in the U.S. would not be inspired by that. So they were like silenced for like centuries. So I'm the one as the outsider who will be putting a face on these brave men. Scott Tilton, co-founder and director of the New Foundation, and curator Max Jean-Louis. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Merci. From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you've been listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Diane Mack. 
thanks to our co-founder and director of the New Foundation, Scott Tilton, curator Max Jean-Louis, and Jesse Haynes, managing director of the Hellas Foundation. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber, and our assistant producer is Aubrey Procell. Our engineer is Garrett Pittman. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at noon and 7 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from the Greater New Orleans Foundation.